0: Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Uh, so we're just launching into a series to take us up to the beginning of uh, Lent uh, so we've got a few weeks that we want to uh, cover off just looking at the Old Testament. It's just something that we haven't done very much as a church, uh, preaching from the Old Testament uh, story. Um, it's uh, it, it's amazing like the richness and the beauty and the wealth of uh, the stories that we have, even in just the book of Genesis, uh, to sort of lead us up to the time of Christ and to understand... The context in which the Jesus story is coming forward. All of the beautiful things that uh, throughout the story of Genesis, uh, Exodus, all of the... Uh, stuff through uh, the story of uh, the Israelites going into Canaan, the story of their life, uh, having kings, uh, the story of their exile. Uh, The story of this nation is so vast and so broad and spans so many years uh, that if we just take a little bit of time even to look at it, we can begin to uh, look at the New Testament stories with just a little bit more um, understanding, a little bit more insight. So that's the heart of this, uh, to just take some snapshots really of some of the Old Testament stories as we, as we. Approach Lent. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the story of Abraham, and look at how he was formed into this person that uh, is ultimately uh, now looking back through the lens of the New Testament and how Paul described him and how uh, he's described in the, in the Book of Hebrews as a father of faith. And say how did how does that connect? How does that work? How does that idea of faith that is so important to us in the New Testament? What did that mean in the Old Testament? And what does it have to say? Uh, to us about our journey. How was faith formed in the story of Abraham and in that person uh, in a way that informs our own journey? I just want to make a case for this, just so that you understand where that came from, Uh, that there is a purpose behind uh, the life of Abraham, that there is a purpose behind his journey of faith. And I want us to take us right there. It's where we're going to land at the end, but I want us to make sure we've got that on the front end. It says this uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3. I will make of you a great nation. So this is God speaking to Abraham. I should actually bring a little bit of background on Abraham. Essentially, he was just a nomadic herder who was living uh, around the Arabian Peninsula um, thousands of years ago. Uh, He had uh, some tents. He had a wife. He had uh, some sheep and some goats and some animals, and he was doing what people did in that time was they would move their sheep and their goats and everything else that they had from place to place, wherever there was food for their animals, try not to bump into other people moving their stuff around, uh, sort of not necessarily in the cities that were existing at the time, but out in the countryside, wandering about. And God was speaking uh, to this one almost seemingly random uh, herder uh, and saying, hey, there is a a journey here for you that is uh, connected to the future of Israel. Uh, So it goes like this, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. In you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. And that's Genesis chapter 2, 2 to 3. Um, and the next uh, thing we want to see is Genesis chapter 22. It's a little bit further in Abraham's story. It says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that are on the sea. So we see that God has a purpose to take this person, Abraham, uh, connected back through the story of Noah, connected back through the story of, of Adam, uh, and walk uh, the story forward in such a way that the story of God that is in Abraham's heart, that is about to be built into Abraham's heart, would be a story that would be spread through the whole earth, would be a blessing to the whole earth. So the question for us is sort of how does God take a sheep herder uh, from the Arabian Peninsula uh, thousands of years ago and make a blessing to the whole earth? But that's God's plan. That's God's strategy. And so we have God. Uh, who chose a person through whom he intended to bless the nations. But he intended to bless the nations not just with prosperity, not with money, not just with wealth, not with just... A family, people who would be a good leader, the plan was to bless the nations with knowledge of himself and ultimately relationship with himself. So God chose to do that strategically through this family, through this person, Abraham, and to have this person have children, who would have children, who would have children, who would have children, and ultimately spread out and bring his uh, good news, uh, the person, the knowledge of the glory of God to the whole world. So in order for that to happen, of course, Abraham would have to be blessed. He would have to be blessed. His family would have to spread across the earth. They would have to have children. They would have to have some wealth to be able to support themselves. They would have to have food to eat and all of that. That's the easy part. So God could take anybody and pour his blessing on them. And he did on many, many people. He poured the blessing uh, on, you know, as it says in the scriptures, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So uh, Abraham is that family, though, that God wants to bless with something that's not just wealth and leadership and possession, but blessed with something uh, really special. Uh, so uh, in order for that blessing to happen, uh, that blessing of the knowledge of the glory of God, Abraham would have to have a relationship of faith. We'd have to have some kind of linkage uh, so that Abraham's offspring would be recognizable linkage to God so God could take anybody and spread them out across the whole earth and have them have influence but those had to be a special people those had to be a unique people those had to be a distinct people and so God's strategy with Abraham is to walk him through a series of experiences walk him through a journey that would cause Abraham's identity as God's person to be solidified. Abraham's relationship with God based on faith to be solidified. And so we look now back from our experience as Christians all the way back through the New Testament into the story of Abraham, looking at Romans chapter 4, 16. This is Paul describing uh, this journey. He says, therefore, the promise comes by faith. So the promise of relationship with, we, uh, with God that we have comes uh, through faith, not only to those who who are of the law. So that's like this, this special relationship with God is not something that comes just to the Jewish people, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. Paul, in his context, is talking about Christians, saying uh, this uh, relationship is for the Jewish people and it's for those who would follow, those who would be grafted in for Christians, uh, saying that Abraham is the father of us all. And so we think that is just a crazy linkage, imagining from Abraham's perspective. Uh, imagining people on a continent he'd never heard of or never imagined existed uh, all the way around the world, ultimately linking their faith back to his experiences uh, with God, that foundational building of relationship with God that is something that is transmitted to us across the years. So there's a huge ongoing story there. And that's the, the reality of it is that story is still ongoing. That story isn't completed yet. Um, God's purpose is still to multiply. The knowledge of his glory through us now to the rest of the world where people don't know him yet right Uh, you are a new Abraham you are a new person of faith a new person of relationship with Jesus and God wants you to be blessed you to multiply the kingdom around you the knowledge of the glory of God around you uh, through you uh, to the world and of course, for that to work, that multiplication to work, that blessing to be worth anything at all, it has to be marked by a linkage to God so that he can be recognized through you, so that he can be recognized through your life. Uh, he uh, wants to have that linkage with you, and that linkage is a relationship of faith. God wants to have a uh, Something special in terms of his relationship with you that your friend in your workplace, that your friend in your school, that your friend wherever you are sent out to multiply his glory is, is recognized as him. So that's the challenge for us, uh, to be a people who are recognizably God's people in the world. And what we see in the story of Abraham is that that recognition, that sign of recognition is faith. Now, that uh, doesn't necessarily make sense of our understanding of what faith is, because we have an understanding that faith is something that we feel. Faith is something that it's a vibe. Faith is something that is, uh, you know, sometimes I just feel like, man, I could just do anything. And sometimes we feel like, I can climb that mountain, I can, I can take that hill, I can do whatever it is, right? And we feel a sense of positivity and to feel a sense of confidence. And we feel like that is faith. But faith is not a feeling. Faith is not like the force. Uh, faith is, Faith is a relationship that's based on trust. Faith is a relationship with something that has proven itself to be trustworthy. That's what we're going to see in Abraham's life, and we're just going to begin to unpack that, uh, how that all works in his story. And the only thing I'll add to that is is that that relationship of faith-building is something that we see all the way through uh, the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. is that people go through a process of becoming people of faith. And we're going through that process as well. We're going to talk about that. Um, So the question is, how did that happen for Abraham? How did he become A person of faith there's this repeating pattern in the scriptures um, and a repeating pattern in our own lives where god promises something we fail at following that promise or going after it or walking in it god is faithful in spite of our failure and we grow in trust that's the pattern that's the pattern that we're going to see repeated over and over again in abraham's life that's the pattern that we're going to see in david's life that's the pattern that we're going to see Uh, In the life of, say, King Josiah, that's the pattern that we're going to see in the life of Israel as a whole, the overarching story of the nation, Uh, and that's the pattern that we see in, uh, of course, your life and mine. God promises something, God shows us something, God gives us vision. Uh, we fail, we see that God is still faithful, and we grow in trust. Uh, The only thing I want to say about that process where our failure is an important part of the journey is that it uh, doesn't have to always be our failure that we learn from. Um, I think very often when we look at the scriptures and we look at the, the failures of the people in the Bible and we uh, are in a place where we are really wanting to be authentic. We're really wanting to be transparent. We're really wanting to be honest about our our failures. We sometimes can wallow in them. We sometimes can celebrate them in a way that isn't necessarily healthy. Uh, you know, you've heard people say uh, time and again, uh, you know what? To learn, you got uh, to stumble. Uh, to learn anything, you have to fail. Uh, you have to learn the hard way. Um, and I just want to say um, at the outset is we don't necessarily have to learn the hard way. Uh, We have this incredible passage uh, in Hebrews 12 that's talking about all the people in faith. That sort of anchors it around this pivot point uh, in Hebrews 12 chapter 1 that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, So we have a cloud of witnesses. We have Abraham's story. We have David's story. We have all of these stories of the Old Testament and stories of the New Testament we can look at and we can say, hey, I don't have to fail like Abraham failed. I can see the faithfulness of God in the stories. I can trust him. And we can take risks. Uh, but let's just look at this pattern in Abraham's life. Abraham and Sarah uh, go to Egypt. So this is near the beginning of Abraham's story as we pick it up. Uh, just just a little background. Uh, Abraham is living sort of in the Arabian Peninsula. I should have maybe had a map up for us. It would have been kind of fun. Um, but he's living in this... Uh, in this place, uh, he's living in a place called Haran, and it's um, a place that his father uh, got stuck in. So his father, at one point in in Abraham's journey, was told or felt like he needed to go to the land of Canaan, which was ultimately the promised land for Abraham. And he only got as far as Haran, which wasn't that far on the journey, and he just camped there and stopped there and didn't get any further. So Abraham uh, has God come and speak to him and says, uh, go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house into the land, Canaan, that I will show you. And that's Genesis 12.1, and that's where we pick up uh, Abraham's story. So God promises, God promises and says, if you go from that country, if you go with your kindred, uh, I will bless you. Um, so we, we hear an order. We hear uh, a call to obedience, a call to pick up, a call to leave. And we think it's very impressive that Abraham did that. Like how, how many of you would just say, okay, you know what, I'm going to pick up my uh, my family. I'm going to call a moving truck. I'm going to move out of my house. I'm going to sell it. Uh, we're going to load up in the cars and we're going to go to a place where we don't know where it is. How many of you who are planners don't like that? Uh, That would have been okay for somebody in Abraham's day. He was a nomad. He was used to traveling around. In fact, it was unusual that he was settled so deeply uh, where he was in his community, where his father had sort of gotten stuck. Um, But Abraham is basically called to go. So he begins to go. Uh, so he goes as far as Canaan. And I'm just, again, this is almost an impossible passage to preach this whole story of Abraham in a short period of time. But we're going to try to just hit the highlights. But basically what happened when he got to Canaan is he saw that there was a famine in the land. So he just kept going. There was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt. So God promises Abraham began to obey. Abraham failed. Abraham didn't stick it out in the land where he was called to go. He went down to Abraham and when he got to, or he went down to Egypt and when he got to Egypt, um, it says this, it says when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know that you are a woman who is beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, Hey, this is his wife. And then they'll kill me, but they will let you live. So just say that you're my sister so that it may, may go well for me. So Abraham's failure in Egypt is deep, right? He goes in. He realizes his wife is beautiful. He thinks that stronger Egyptians than him are going to want to have her as their wife, and they're just going to kill him. So he says, "Sarah, lie about who you are. Pretend you're not my wife, uh, and then you can be you can be taken care of." And so that's what happens. Abraham has her lie about who she is. She gets taken into the courts of the Pharaoh. He takes her as his wife. Imagine doing that with your family. Uh, you know, I mean, again, this is back into a bizarre and brutal world that we're looking. Um, but Sarah gets taken as the wife of the Pharaoh, and Abraham is like, Woohoo, I'm happy. Uh, this uh, king guy, this Pharaoh guy, he's given me camels and he's given me animals, he's given me more sheep, he's given me gold and silver, he's thanking me for this relationship he has with this woman he thinks is my sister, but is really my wife. So Abraham's getting rich off of basically selling off his wife to the Pharaoh, right? Deep, deep failure deep failure, deep sin, deep cowardice. And God's response to this in Abraham's life is God is faithful. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with greater plagues because of Sarah. So that doesn't sound like a nice thing for Pharaoh. And again, to unpack the suffering and plagues and all of that stuff in the Old Testament, is it's a wild journey. Uh, but God afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you've done to me? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. So Pharaoh basically gives him all the possessions that he gave him, gives him his wife back and tells him to get out of Egypt because Pharaoh's like, you've brought judgment on me by lying to me and causing me to be in sin with your wife. So God speaks into the situation, faithfully delivers Abraham in spite of the deep failure, the deep cowardice, uh, and the sin in Abraham's life, restores him, restores some wealth to him and sends him back on the journey. In spite of Abraham's deep failure. God is faithful and continues to work to fulfill his promises through Abraham. And so Abraham is growing in trust through this. So Abraham went up from Egypt, and he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him went into the Negev, and now Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. Deep failure, but God is faithful. Abraham saw the faithfulness of God, the grace of God. Um, and so we see that first lesson, uh, Abraham failed to trust God. Uh, we see in the images of Abraham's journey down to Egypt and, uh, and the story that it's a, a God teaching Abraham to trust him as a shepherd, right? The guidance, go where I tell you to go, go to the land of Canaan, trust me as a guide and trust me to protect you. God was trying to be for Abraham a shepherd, and ultimately proves himself a faithful shepherd. He deals with uh, the wolves in the land of Egypt and brings him safely back to a place of health. Uh, We're going to note the story of Abimelech later in chapter 20 that Abraham again is in a place where he is scared for his life because of the beauty of his wife. And he again tells her later in the journey, "Ah, pretend that you're my sister. So again, (laughs) deep brutal failure in this person who we look back to and call a father of faith. Interesting. So much grace for him, just as there is grace for us. We see the story of Hagar and Ishmael. And this is only the second one I'm going to hit and I'm going to skip a whole bunch of material, but we're going to just touch these stories. Uh, so God's promise again, again, we're going to see this process repeated. um, So Abraham is coming to a spot where he's like, man, how is this going to happen? How is this promise going to happen? How am I going to uh, find out that, uh, how am I going to have a family? And God says, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I am your reward. I'm your great reward. But Abraham says, oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. Look toward heaven and number the stars, says God. If you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So Abraham comes full of doubt, full of fear and says, Hey God, I'm still childless. Like what's the program here? What's going on? This, this thing that you promised me isn't working out. Like, like, come on, God, get with the the deal. You know, God doesn't smite Abraham as we might imagine he would like you big jerk. Why are you doubting me? He reiterates the promise again. And again, God is so faithful to do that in our own lives, uh, to speak to us time and time again. So again, he has him look towards heaven and number the stars and say, so shall your offspring be. God repeats uh, the promise to Abraham. Um, And again, Abraham fails. Uh, We see, again, this is an incredible story of betrayal and an incredible story of sin and failure. Uh, But Sarah says to Abraham, Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So go into my servant Hagar, It may be that I shall obtain children by her. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Um, Then jealousy uh, erupted between uh, Sarah and Hagar, and Sarah dealt harshly with Hagar, basically abused her, and Hagar fled. So God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I'm promising you that I will make your children uh, like the sands on the seashore, like the stars in the heavens. And Abraham says, I don't believe you. I'm going to do it my own way. Deep doubt, deep failure. He basically takes his wife's servant, uh, sleeps with her so that he can make the problems happen by himself. A deep failure of faith. And tied into that, uh, just so much misery going forth through the history of uh, of Israel, so going forward through their story. Um, and I'm not going to get into all of the story of Hagar, but basically this person who was ultimately abused Uh, by Sarah, by Abraham, as they tried to take the matters into their own hands, tried to make the promise happen uh, their own way, uh, led to all kinds of pain. And that's just a warning for us, that when we try to make God's promises happen uh, our own way, the result is very often pain. Uh, We very often, uh, our failures are not costless. Our failures have consequences that go on into the future. Uh, the story of Hagar and her son Ishmael is that ultimately uh, Ishmael uh, became uh, the father of the Arab nation, right? Um, uh, of the that whole nation of people who to this day are at war with the people of Abraham. And just the thought on that, like to look back at the history, the ultimate uh, beginning of that relationship was started with abuse of the Jewish nation, abuse of Abraham, of... Uh, Ishmael of abuse of the Arab nation. Just something for us to think of if you're uh, living in a place of uh, being triumphalistic about the glories of, of Israel, that there's all kinds of pain in the Israel story that uh, that has has caused consequences in the earth. Uh, it's just something for us to wrestle uh, with there. Um, so Sarah dealt with her, with her and she fled from her. God's response to all this. Of course, uh, in the story, we're not going to go into the details, but he restores Hagar. She, He promises Ishmael uh, a good future, and God takes care of him in spite of the abuse. Um, But God is still faithful to Abraham. A few verses later, uh, God says to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but her Sarah shall be her name. So she gets a name change. She gets an identity change. She becomes a person who is identified as as God's person uh, through this process. It says, I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. So, again, uh, incredible betrayal, incredible failure in the story of Hagar. And God comes back. Of course, they have to deal with the consequences of the failure. But ultimately, God comes back and says, I'm still faithful to you. I am still faithful. So Abraham failed to trust God to give him a child through Sarah and God still proved himself faithful. And again, that's our journey uh, in our marriages, in our families, uh, in our lives, in our workplaces. Uh, we often fail to trust God with the things that he's calling us to. We fail to walk at his promises. Uh, we get filled with doubt. We kind of do things our own ways. We do uh, things that we think are God's things, and we have them filled with our own sin, our own ambition, our own fears, uh, the messes that we have in our lives. And God comes back to us. We still have to deal with consequences, but he comes back to us faithfully and says, hey, I'm your father. Uh, You're my child. I'll walk you forward. And we see this pattern uh, just repeats itself in Abraham's life. Like it's an epic story. I don't know why nobody has made a movie of it because it's so much drama. It's crazy. Uh, We have this story of Egypt, the failure in Egypt. The Lord deals with Pharaoh. Uh, We have the story of Abraham uh, leading Lot. Very often this story of Abraham leading Lot, and this is the way I sort of used to see it. Um, is they come into this land and, and there sort of looks like they're they're competing a little bit for it. And Abraham's really generous and says, hey, Lot, you uh, can take the, the whichever land you want and I'll go to the other land. Lot picks the good stuff. Abraham gets the bad stuff. And we think Abraham is awesome and generous and faithful. But actually the Jewish commentators that I was looking at uh, this week preparing that passage look back at it and they see it as a failure of leadership. Of Abraham's that Abraham was given all of that land uh, to look after uh, to begin to move into to begin to to work things out in and he abdicates he doesn't want conflict with lot so he fails to lead his nephew and then we see uh, through that lens we understand a lot more of the story of the battles that went on and all the journey that went on with Abraham and Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah we see all of that um, as Jewish commentators do, as a failure of Abraham to lead. So something to dig into there if you're reading through Genesis at some point. But God comes after that failure and still promises in verse chapter 13, verse 14 promises you know Abraham that he's going to have access to that land. Uh, there's the blessing of Melchizedek after one of the battles where uh, this uh, priest comes and, and prays this blessing over Abraham. That's really powerful. Then there's the failure of Hagar, uh, at which point God says, I'll make my covenant with you deeper and more obvious and more rich. And that's where we get uh, circumcision from. Again, I'm skipping over like crazy. Like You're like, what the heck are you talking about? This is crazy, especially if you're new to Christianity, but you're going to have to read the whole story to get it. Um, so this covenant, uh, that involves circumcision, uh, God further, um, comes to Abraham and like solidifies the promise again, God is so faithful in coming back and again and again and again and again, and again promising Abraham. Uh, so he, he sends angels to come and share the promise. And then finally, uh, there's the failure of Abimelech. That's again, the person we talked about earlier, where again, Abraham is in a place where there's some strong Kings and leaders around him. And he says, you guys are going to take my wife. So I might as well just give her to you. I'll just have her say that she's my sister and then you guys won't kill me in in taking her, right? Of course, God repairs that, restores that, uh, heals that situation. So again, the pattern continues. God promises, Abraham fails, God is faithful. And Abraham, through this process, is growing and learning. Ultimately, Isaac is born. We're going to talk just about the story of Isaac next week because I just felt like I couldn't do the whole thing in this one message. The story of Isaac is so powerful. for us. We're going to touch that next week. But the question then is, through all those journeys, all of those ups and downs, all of those failures, that crazy story of Abraham, how did that really work? How did Abraham become this person that we look at with faith? Well, there wasn't anything in the story that said he was zapped with it. You know, uh, I, I, we used to have uh, prayer times, you know, a sort of a charismatic church background. Uh, of course, we're a charismatic church, but um, not wrestling in, uh, with some of the flaky stuff as much as we used to back in the day. But I used to think faith is something that could just be imparted, something that could be given. You could just pray for someone and they would receive a gift of faith. And, and the reality is, is I've not really ever seen anybody receive faith, having been zapped with it. Uh, faith doesn't sort of come in a magical way like that. And Abraham didn't will faith into being, right? We can't decide uh, that we're going to have more faith. We can't just sort of say, okay, I'm gonna just scrunch up uh, my face. I'm gonna pray a little bit harder. I'm gonna furrow my brow and I'm just gonna make myself believe more. It's not really like that. It doesn't work that way. We can't sort of choose to make ourselves feel more confident. In the promises and the faithfulness of God. Uh, Faith came to Abraham in the same simple slow way that faith comes to us um, by faith uh, being uh, coming as it's consistently witnessing God's faithfulness. Faith comes to us as we consistently witness the faithfulness of God. Through our journey, through our failures, through our pain, uh, through um, uh, what we read, through uh, the stories of others, we witness God as a faithful person and we come to trust Him. We come to believe in Him. We come to lean on Him. So there' are these three ways that faith is built. Uh, one we talked about at the very beginning. Uh, faith is built through the experience of others. It's built through reading the scriptures, it's through through reading uh, the story of Abraham, uh, seeing his failures and seeing the victories and seeing God's promises reiterated and God being faithful. Uh, we don't have to go as deep in sin to learn faith as Abraham did. Um, So we learn just through the story of believers and spend time around believers who are more mature than you. Spend time around people who have faith stories to tell, stories of God's uh, moving in their lives, stories of miracles, stories of God transforming their marriages, of God transforming their life. Spend time with believers who have learned that God is faithful. Um, The second way we learn faith is, of course, the way Abraham did, uh, by just simply accepting grace after we fail. We fail time and time and time again, and God lifts us up, picks us up, dusts us off, and walks us forward in the journey of faithfulness. And uh, the second, or the third rather, is seeing fruit uh, after we've been obedient. And we don't see as much of that in Abraham's life uh, as we would like in the early parts of it because he's uh, he's in, in such brutal condition. Um, but the story uh, for you and me, the story that we really want to live out is a story of taking risks for God and for his kingdom. We want to be people who, uh, believe that God is in us, believe that God wants to multiply his glory and the knowledge of his glory to the earth. And in order for us to do that, in order for us to become people who walk in faith, we have to take the risks. We have to believe when he says to us, when he whispers into your heart, open up your mouth and share the gospel, share the story of Jesus, Uh, share, invite that person to church. We have to open our mouths and take the risk, the step of faith, and then see that it bears fruit uh, to grow in our faith. Uh, for the early Christians, uh, sometimes that step of faith uh, led them as far as martyrdom, led them to uh, brutal places where they went into deep oppression themselves in order to bring forth God's glory throughout the whole earth. So it's the faith to go wherever God is calling you to go, whatever difficulty he's calling you to go, whatever challenge he's calling you to go. Uh, like Abraham, uh, to go to a land I will show you. Where is the land that God is showing you? Where's the promise? Maybe the promise is uh, that you're going to have a, a stronger marriage. Maybe the promise is, is that uh, God is going to uh, touch your relationships. But maybe that step of faith for you is saying, yeah, man, I could risk uh, seeing a counselor. I could risk um, uh, confessing my sin. I could risk uh, dealing with a sin pattern in my life that needs to be dealt with in order that I can have a better relationship with my family. I can follow God in that And then ultimately come to see his faithfulness. But I promise, wherever you're at in this journey, whatever failure you've had, whatever difficulty you've had, whatever your challenges have been, God uh, wants to move you forward and show you and display his faithfulness so that you can be a person of faith. Maybe you've never prayed for somebody who is sick before. Maybe you've never laid hands on, on the sick I've laid hands on the sick so many times and seen nothing and so many times and seen miracles. But maybe the step of faith for you is to pray for somebody who's sick for the very first time, to lay your hands on them and say, God, come, Lord Jesus, I'm willing to take this risk. I'm willing to put myself out there. I'm willing to exercise a spiritual gift that I've been afraid to exercise before. But you take a risk and see that God is faithful. Faith comes one risk at a time. Uh, Gary Best used to use this illustration uh, all of the time when he was teaching about faith. uh, He would say, imagine that God has you standing beside a swimming pool. Now imagine that pool isn't filled with water in these images. The pools are nicely filled with water. But imagine that pool isn't filled with water. You're standing on the edge of the pool, and God says to you, if you jump in, I'll fill the pool. If you jump in, I'll fill the pool. And you know what that feels like as a kid, you're you're imagining like, I'm gonna fall, I'm gonna hit the tile at the bottom, I'm gonna crack my skull, I'm gonna die, I got my water wings here, I need something else, I need a trampoline, what I'm gonna do, we're trying to figure out how I'm gonna make this happen. But you finally get the courage, you finally believe God, you finally jump into the pool and God fills it with water. And imagine the elation, the joy that you feel when you see the faithfulness. You see that that is filled with water, it's a splash, it's fun, it's amazing. And you jump to the edge of the pool and it's empty again, and God says, uh, when well, you try it again and the next time it's a little bit easier and the next time it's a little bit easier and you can stand on the edge of the pool and jump in and out of it. Uh, once you've learned the faithfulness of God at that level, uh, so many times, many of us are at that place where in our faith we've plateaued. We're constantly jumping, uh, off the edge of the pool and into the pool. God is faithfully filling it. God is seen the same miracles again in our lives. He's doing wonderful things. But I think what God is saying to you, if you're stagnant in your faith, that you're consistent in your faith, or you're bored even in your faith, I think what he would say to you as a little child standing on the edge of the pool is, well, there's the diving board over there. Why don't you take three steps up and try that? And all of a sudden you're living your life on the edge of the diving board. God is whispering to you, if you jump in the pool, I'll fill it. But from five feet off the water. You're terrified again. Your knees are knocking. Your palms are sweating. And you're wondering, how, how can I do this thing? And you jump and you learn and you grow because you've learned the faithfulness of God to you. And once you get comfortable with that, he says, let's try the diving board. Let's try the high board. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. But the journey of faith isn't meant to be stagnant. It's meant to be a journey um, of constantly, constantly allowing God to prove himself faithful to you more and more. And that's the grace. That's the grace that's extended to us. That's the grace that Paul is talking about. That's the grace of the journey of faith. You can't uh, wish yourself to have more faith. You can't wait. Till you have more faith. You can't will yourself to have more faith. You can't get zapped to have more faith. You have to take risks to get more faith. That's how it works. So what's the risk that God is calling you to? What's the step of faith that God is calling you to? And maybe you'll fail, and maybe you'll stumble, and maybe it won't work. But you take the risk. And trust that God is leading you, that God's promises are true, and that he's a good God, and that ultimately his purpose in all of that is to see that the knowledge of his glory is multiplied through the whole earth, just as it was through Abraham's. We don't know when the Lord is returning. We don't know what that story uh, looks like going forward. But we do know that we live in a promise that says God wants more people to know him, more people to love him, more people to follow him. And the kingdom is to be multiplied through us, and that only comes by faith. That only comes by growing our linkage to him and our trust in him. So take the risks. Ah, Go for it, people of OBV, jump. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.